0: hand reached way down, where once I
1: had nothing, I now have
0: everything, oh I thank
1: That flows through my veins If not for Calvary Where would I be today? I was blind, now I see I thank God for grace Grace
2: Thank you for that reminder we appreciate that Uh, take your prayer ministry sheet if you would please I have a couple of things to highlight Uh, being away for a week you know you kind of lose track of uh, some of these things Um, and so I don't to be honest um, have updates so um, maybe I'm going to call in a couple people Uh, Charlie how's Bonnie doing excellent well that's a good report Wow. Sure, sure, sure. So we have a very good report with Bonnie Bechtel, who had a knee replacement uh, last week. Um, And then also Dorothea. I don't know if we have a report for Dorothea. She had a knee replacement as well uh, last week. So keep her in your prayers. Um, I look down here. Some of you are saying, why are you staring at me? But <laughs> this is where she sits. Um, and I, I just you know, automatically, your, your eyes kind of go to where uh, they, they usually are. Um, John Good's with us today. He's sitting right back there in the uh, back pew, almost back pew. He's having surgery uh, tomorrow, gallbladder surgery. This was postponed from a little while back. Um, but this is still scheduled for tomorrow, John. Okay, so we'll pray for John as well. That's tomorrow. And then Orpha Strohecker, uh, keep her in your prayers. Um, she had uh, some issues. She had a tumor removed uh, from her colon. Um, and so she's still in the hospital, in the ortho, uh, osteopathic hospital now as we speak, but uh, may be able to come home uh, sometime soon. I was able to see her yesterday. And it's good and fierce, Doing, it, she's doing well, uh, but you do pray for her as uh, she recovers there in the hospital um, in the osteopathy. Lots of other folks here that we need to pray for. The list is before you. um, Pray for those, please do pray uh, for our folks here. So Father, we come before your throne once again and we thank you. We thank you that we can come. We praise you for who you are. Lord, you are a great and wonderful God and a God who is omnipotent, a God who is able to do all things, for nothing is impossible with you. Father, we acknowledge that before you this morning, uh, that as we come before you, you um, uh, welcome us into your presence. So, Father, incline your ear toward us. Be attentive to our prayers, as we learned this morning in, in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Lord, be attentive to our prayers. Listen to what we have to say. And so, as we come before you, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who, who does hear and does answer. Uh, the prayers of the saints. Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you, Lord, for all that it means to each of us. We thank you for the family atmosphere as we uh, are brothers and sisters in you. Uh, We thank you for this body that we call our home, uh, church, and we thank you, Lord, that we can, uh, as a group, we can come before you this morning in corporate prayer. Father, we thank you for the good report with Bonnie. We pray. Uh, that you would continue the recovery there we pray that dorothea is doing as well um, and pray that you might help her uh, to recover we pray for john's surgery tomorrow we pray that um, father they would be able to correct this problem and we pray that uh, for Orpha, that father you might uh, strengthen her and help her to uh, be returned to full strength so that she can come home very soon father she's been in the hospital now a little while and Uh, It's always nice to come home. So we pray that uh, you might help her to be able to do just that. Father, we think of Pat Bainey as well. We think of um, now with hospice coming in, we pray, Lord, that you might keep her comfortable and uh, pray that you might give grace in this time of need. We thank you, too, for Ruth Bush, Father, who had a tumor removed successfully. And uh, we just thank you so much for that. Father, again, we thank you that we can call upon your name For it is, Father, the power uh, that we receive is found in that name. The power to heal, the power to save, the power to bring recovery. Uh, You're just a great and awesome God, and we thank you for that. Thank you for your grace, which we've been reminded of today. That grace that saves uh, wretched men and women like ourselves. And so as we come before you, we thank you that we can do just that, the great God of the universe. Lord, you've chosen to reveal yourself to mankind in the person of Jesus. So we thank you, Father, for your Son who has saved us uh, by that wonderful grace. Now continue to minister, I pray, through music as the praise team comes to uh, lead us into your presence. And once again, Father, we thank you for this good time that you've given us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Would you stand with us as we sing, we believe in God the Father, we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and he's given us new life. Didn't want heaven
1: without us So Jesus, you brought heaven down My
3: sin was great, your love was
1: greater My sin was great, your love was greater What could
0: separate
1: us now? What a wonderful name compares to this what a wonderful name it is the name of Jesus death could not hold you the failed soil
3: we sang this song uh, for the first time last week, and we're going to learn it again. It's, it's new to us at Word of Life Chapel. It's not a new song. You um, might have heard it on the radio before, or maybe on YouTube. But, uh, you know, the first verse says, Walking around these walls, I thought, they'd, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. And, and I heard someone talking about uh, the Israelites walking around Jericho, right? And they went around once, and, and the walls didn't come down. And they went around again, and the walls didn't come down. And and how many times in our lives we go through things where we just think, "Lord, Lord, this has to end now, and it just keeps on going. But you have never failed me yet. And to continue to remember that, even when times are difficult, and when we think that wall should fall and it doesn't fall, God has never failed you yet, and he never will fail you.
1: I thought by now they'd fall but you have never failed me yet waiting for change to come knowing the battles won. For you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faith. I'm still in your hands, this is my confidence. You never failed me. Yet. I know the night won't to pass. My heart will see Your praise again. Jesus, You're still enough. Keep me with. will
0: sing
1: your praise again your promise still stands your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confession. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe, I see.
3: us to remember that our confidence is in you, and to remember that, Lord, you have never failed us, even when those walls don't fall, and when those mountains don't move, that, God, you are still in control, God, that you are still with us, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you remember last week, we looked at the book of 1 John. 1 John, we looked at chapter 1, and we're going to continue into 1 John today. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. Here's the deal. 1 John chapter 2 is a chapter that is full of five sermons, right, in and of itself. So we're going to have to continue to move this morning so that I don't keep you until the Redskins and Cowboys play this afternoon, right? By the way, I have to say this. The whole Dobbin family in blue and white, that is... That's uh, representing Penn State today. That's uh, pretty cool. We are. We are. Right. <laughs> First John chapter one talked about how uh, God is light. Remember, in God there is no darkness at all. And we talked about light and dark. We talked about what that looked like. We talked about the the dark sky in Bolivia growing up and and things like that as well. And um. One a couple of things that we notice in, in 1 First John chapter one is John is very blunt in his statements. Right, he he doesn't he doesn't allow you to toe a line. Right, you're either on one side or the other. You're saved or you're not saved. You're in light or you're in darkness. You're not in that dimming kind of light. Right, you're either in light or you're in darkness. And in John chapter two, his blunt statements do not stop. <clears throat> What we're going to do is we're going to read through chapter 2 together and then we're going to break it apart kind of like we did last week. Um, So if you could follow along, it's on the screen here behind me or or in your Bibles, chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. But whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live like Jesus did. Wow, what a powerful statement. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men. Because you have overcome the evil one. And this is not a mistake. This is a repeat here. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had really belo- for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son also has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him it is coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right, Been born of him. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we are so thankful for the chance we have to meet together today to praise your name, to sing songs, rejoicing in what you have done and what you will do. Lord, as we look at continue to look at your words, Father, what you told John to write, Father, may the truth be so evident in our ears. Father, if there is a person in this room this morning that's walking in darkness, Lord, may you lead them to the light. Father, may only your words be spoken today. May only truth be communicated today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at me with verse 1 and verse 2 here. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Now, that sentence right there in and of itself is huge. Right? I write this to you so that you will not sin. We all know that God has a standard for perfection. Right? Perfection. God is not okay with sin. Sometimes in our lives, I think we justify sin. Well, it was just a little bit here, or I made this mistake. No, God's not okay with sin at all. There is no license for you to sin. God does John is not saying here, listen, I write this to you so that you sin the least amount that you possibly can. Or I write this to you so that, you know, if you sin here, it's, no, I write this to you so that you will not sin. God is perfect. Light and darkness. Remember that from last week?
2: In the light, there is no darkness at all.
3: But he continues on, and this is is a really neat part. But if anybody does sin, see, God's not okay with sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. As so I was studying this week, uh, the Bible commentary I was reading by William McDonald pointed out the word father there and how neat that word father is because even when you sin, God does not stop being your father, right? What does that look like? Well, let's, let's say that, let's fast forward s- seven years in the future, seven years, right? And Nehemiah is seven years old, all right? And before we come to church on Sunday morning, I say, Nehemiah, I want you to clean your room and I want you to make your bed, right, before you come over to church. And he comes over to church, and he's all happy, right? And I say, Nehemiah, did you make your bed and clean your room? And he says, no, Dad, I didn't. Do I stop being his dad because he didn't listen to what I told him to do? Absolutely not. And see, this verse here, verse 1, speaks to so much more. It speaks to our eternal security, that God does not stop being your father when you sin. God's not okay with sin. But if you do sin, that doesn't stop him from being your father. As we looked at last week, it hurts our fellowship, but it doesn't stop him from being your father. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole sins, for the sins of the entire world. Verse 3, we know that we have come to him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And I stopped while I was reading that before to say how big of a statement that is, right? If we claim to live in Christ, if we claim to be in Christ, we need to live like Jesus did, I mean, that that, that is, again, a blunt statement. I mean, do we live like Jesus did? We know that that we are going to make mistakes. Right? We know that we're going to make mistakes. The Lord knows that we're going to make mistakes. Yet we are called to live like Jesus did. If you claim to be a believer, you need to live like Jesus did. Everybody is watching you. I think sometimes we pretend that we go around our life without people watching. But see, if you claim to be a believer, you are representing Christ here on earth, and you represent him in the grocery store and on the street and on the road when somebody cuts you off. You represent him to your family. Are you living like Christ? You represent him to all of your Facebook friends when you share that status that probably is a little bit, I mean, would you share it to Jesus? Right? Are we living like Jesus did? I can't tell you how many times I see things, I mean, even on Facebook where I, I see something shared and I say, wow, that, is that a representation of Christ? Now, by no means am I saying that we are all going to be perfect because I am not perfect. Sarah can tell you that, right? She's holding in that, amen, you know, she's just, <laughs> amen. But she's, she's holding it in, she's holding it in. But come on. Are we living like Christ? And that sentence in and of itself is a whole sermon. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete And then, This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live must live as Jesus did. Are you living like Jesus? And here's the truth. We can't do that by ourselves, can we? It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be a light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light. There is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because darkness has blinded them. Have you ever walked before in the darkness, right? Maybe you're outside and you're trying to find something, um, and, and you stumble over something, right? You trip over something. Um, We're going to sing a song at the end. Uh, They'll know we are Christians by our love. Too many churches are, are broken apart because of hate. Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Doesn't mean that you like everybody, right? But do you love them?
0: Or do you hate them?
3: Now, Remember last week we talked a little bit about how the Gnostics and and what John was saying, how the Gnostics had gotten into the church a little bit as a false sect of Christianity. And, And John is actually talking here, the Gnostics had a deep hatred for those who were true to the Word of God. They hated them. Those who remained true to the Word of God. So John here is actually referring to the Gnostics and saying how they are not, they are completely walking in darkness. They are not saved because they hate those who are true to the Word of God. Can we take this and apply it to us today for our love, for fellow believers? Absolutely. Do you love the person sitting next to you? It's not always easy because we all have our own preferences and there are things that happen in life that hurt. But do you love your brother or sister in Jesus Christ? Verse 12, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Now, it almost, John almost repeats himself here. It's a little bit different. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, if we would take this and just look at it, we would probably think, okay, so he's writing to dear children. Maybe he's writing to our junior church class this morning. And and then he's talking to fathers. So if you're a father, would you stand up? No, that's, that's not what John's doing. He's actually referring to our spiritual maturity, right? So I'm writing to you, dear children. I write to you, dear children. Those of you who are babes in the faith, right? Maybe you are a new believer. Right? You just came to know Jesus a couple weeks ago, or a year ago, or two years ago. Or maybe you came to know Jesus 30 years ago, but you never really walked with him until this point. Right? I'm writing to you because you know the Father. You might not know much more about Christianity. You might not know that much, but you do know the Father. I write to you fathers, those of you who are spiritually mature. You've been walking with the Lord for many years. You walked around those walls that never seem like they're going to come down, but you know that God's never going to fail you because you've seen the results. I write to you those who are spiritually mature because you know him who is from the beginning. You know God, and you know more about God than just knowing him. You know that he is from the beginning. And I write to you young men because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now to close this morning, and this is, this is actually, you know, you, you, sometimes you're at church and the pastor says, and Pastor Bob doesn't do this very much. He's very gracious. But sometimes there are certain pastors that will say, uh, in closing, right, in closing, and then you're here for like 20 more minutes, right? You're here for 20 minutes. And everybody, when they say in closing, you close your Bible, you know, and you put your stuff beside you and you're, you're ready to go. But then it's 20 minutes, right? So this is kind of the last point I have this morning, but it's going to take about 10 to 15 minutes. So in closing— This is what I like to call the watch out part of 1 John chapter 2. Um, watch out. Why do I say watch out? Because John is warning the believers about some things that are very difficult and dangerous. And there are traps that we can fall into. You know, growing up in Bolivia, um, we would go away for about four years, right, and we'd come home on furlough. Right? You guys know what furlough is. Some people call it home assignment. After you've been there for so long, they would bring the missionaries back so they could visit their supporting churches or that they could recoup kind of thing. It was never a recoup time though because you're just driving and driving and driving and driving. We had this, I think it's called conversion van. Is that right? With the curtains that go across. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? And uh, oh my goodness. And four, four siblings in the car together and we're driving to Arizona. You know, and great memories and long memories, you know, of, of traveling. But we would come back. We'd be over in Bolivia for four years, and we'd come back. And we were not a part of the cultural, the cultural movement over those four years. See, culture changes over four years. And culture throws a lasso around Christians and tries to pull them towards the world every day. And being in Bolivia it was a completely different thing than what was happening here in America. And we would come back four years later, and we'd be like, what, "What's what's this on TV? This wasn't allowed four years ago. Christians didn't listen to this four years ago. It was like a shock, almost like a culture shock for us, because we had been in a completely different place for four years, and we come back, and things have changed. All of a sudden, Christians have started to justify certain things, and it happens." You know, you think about when you're, when you're a child and, and uh, you're watching certain movies and, and profanity comes out and you go, oh my goodness, and you cover your ears. I'm not supposed to hear that. And then as an adult, what do you allow to fill your mind? I mean, do you even realize that profanity is on TV or in music anymore? Watch out. John says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. I mean, that right there is a statement that should make us all go, all right, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. I think we can make the comparison light and dark. The Lord is light. The world is dark. And in the light, there is no darkness. Remember back in 1 John chapter 1. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, they come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let me tell you this. I think in each of our lives, at times, the love for the world supersedes our love for the Father. It happens. We make mistakes. We put things before God that should never be before God. This is a watch-out moment right here. Have you allowed yourself to slip into this love for the world where your desires are for the world and not for God? It is a dangerous place to be because let let me just tell you this this morning. Love for the world, it leads to destruction. It leads to more heartache. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lasts forever. As I was studying, another point in the commentary that I really thought was neat was, he said that it's almost like you have a whole bunch of money, and you want to invest it into something. But the world is a broken down bank that's about to go bankrupt tomorrow. And you grab all your money, and you put it in this. Why would you do that? Why would you do that?
0: The world's going to pass. Pass.
2: But see, God
0: is eternal.
3: So the first warning that John gives us is a love for the world. If you have allowed yourself to fall into these traps, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's time to reevaluate some things. I think one of the most important things we can do as believers is constantly reevaluate our priorities in our lives, Right? constantly reevaluate our priorities. What comes first, what comes second, what comes third? Because let me tell you, through life, those things change, right? Maybe there's a time in life where a a member of your family is really sick and and you see yourself putting them above other things in your life. And there are times when things change, but the thing that should never change is that God is always first.
0: But of course, John's not done.
3: Your children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, referring to false teachers. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Again, John's referring to the Gnostics who had left. They didn't come back. They're not a part of us here in Christianity. We see in the first... Uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, John continues to hammer on that point of people that are false teachers. And today, we have so many false religions in this world, it's it's absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, it is. The millions and millions of people that will follow these teachings, that deny that Jesus is the Son of God. And farther on, we see um, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges, has the, the, son, whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And, and John is warning you here about false teachers because they're on TV at times. And I'm not going to list names this morning because you have the truth in the Word of God and you should be checking it. Because when you get to heaven and God says, and you're explaining yourself to God, there'll be a day where you're standing before God. Well, well, Lord, my my pastor told me this. The guy on TV, (laughs) the guy on TV I was listening to on Sunday morning said this. Don't you have a Bible? Can't you check that for yourself? Can't you see what the truth is? I'm not discouraging you from coming to church this morning, and I'm not telling you not to trust what Pastor Bob and I share with you on Sunday morning, but I'm telling you that you have the truth, the Word of God. We even see false gospels presented within the realm of Christianity. People who say the gospel is all about me and me being happy. And me being healthy, and me being wealthy. Somebody once said if if the health and wealth gospel was was a, a real thing, then Job must have not been following God because he was not healthy. And Paul must have not been really loved by God because he was not wealthy. See, the gospel's always been about Jesus and his love for us. Always been about the Father. It's never been about me but the world will trick you into that. And they will say they have this new knowledge that that you've never heard. Remember Eve in the garden? Did God really say that? Watch out for false teachers. This, This back part keeps coming off here, and it's driving me nuts. We're going to skip a couple of verses this morning. Um, and I'd like to look at verse 28 and 29 to close. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him His coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See, there's a reassurance in that, guys. There's a reassurance, a confidence that we can have in the Lord. There was some conversation recently, some stir amongst the Christian world and, and non Christian. Um, there was a prediction made about the rapture and when the rapture was going to happen. Maybe you heard about it, maybe you didn't. Um, but I, I don't want to get into to the prediction or anything like that. What I want to talk about this morning is how it affected people. See, I don't think we all really live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. We don't, because we're so comfortable in our lives today. See, 1 John, for all of us, at least for me, is a big kick
2: in the pants. What if we lived like Jesus
3: was coming back tomorrow? My goodness, how this community would change. There's 140 people, 150, 60 people in here this morning. Can you imagine if all 160 people lived like Jesus was coming back tomorrow? Those people that you have relationships with that are broken, you would mend those relationships, right? Or you would do your best to mend those relationships. Those people that you know that are lost, you would share Jesus with them one more time because you never know when the time is coming. Because, listen, there is going to be a day when Jesus comes back. And verse 28, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him his coming. Are you living like he's coming back tomorrow? We have a video we want to watch here real quick by Francis Chan. I think this summarizes it in better words than I could put it, so.
4: off the team whatever you know just there's so much instability so much that we don't understand that that we don't know for me growing up it was uh, a lot of you guys know my mom died giving birth to me and my dad remarried then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine then my dad got married again then my dad died of cancer when I was 12 and so I'm in junior high my mom's dead my stepmom's dead my dad's dead the only close relatives I had were my my aunt, uncle George and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my uncle George shot and killed my aunt, and then stuck the gun to his own head, killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me. Going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared, and this is what Christians do. You know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky. And things get a little unstable. And so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here. And uh, I'm just going to hold on. And uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to... Um, You know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let them outside because the sun has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2%. and uh, maybe serve, help the nursery, because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life, and then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what, I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it, and then just go up to heaven. And so th- you want to die like this, just in your sleep, ooh, right in the middle of the dream, good dream, the dream you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it, and then suddenly you wake up, you stand before the judge, and you go, Now, if, uh, could you imagine, could you imagine watching the Olympics, you know, and some girl does that, just gets up there, starts straddling the thing, and then steps off and goes, what is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. That's the routine, the boring, I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. That's the routine that they're going to live, and then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge, and you think he's going to look at that routine and go, wow, well done well done you live the safest life possible you didn't slip you didn't fall see that's not the life that God's called us to that's where the majority will head but I don't want to go where the majority goes
3: are we living like Jesus because there will be a day when Jesus returns And as John says, may we continue in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we are so thankful for your love for us. We're thankful, God, for the book of 1 John, which is so straightforward. Father, there are times when we all love things in the world. We ask that you would help us to put you first, Father, through the Holy Spirit. Lord, we realize that anything good that we do is because of you. It's from you. Lord, use us to do your will. Lord, work in us so that we may live like Jesus lived. Lord, work in us so that we may live like Jesus is coming back. Father, may we love one another through you.
2: In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The song we're going to close with is not in your hymn book, uh, so look on the screen behind me. Let's stand together and we'll sing the song that Pastor Tony referred to, they'll know we are Christians by our love. in our land and they'll know you are Christians by our love by our love and they'll know we are Christians by our love we will work with each other we'll work side by side we will work with each other we'll work side by side and we'll guard each one's dignity And save each one's her pride And they'll know you are Christians by our love By our love As they'll know we are Christians by our love All oh, praise to the Father Whom all things come And all praise to Christ Jesus, His only Son. And all praise to the Spirit who makes us one. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Father, we thank you once again for your word. Uh, Your word, Lord, that speaks so clearly to our hearts, to our minds. Father, help us to live as though you are coming back soon. Help us to live as your son was our great example and model to follow. So Father, by the power of your spirit, I pray that you might help us to live in a way that pleases you. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.